0: Welcome to Sonics Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonics Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonics aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. Welcome to the Sonics Flight Podcast. This is episode number 46. The Sonics Builders and Pilots Foundation 2018 Update The Sonics Builders and Pilots Foundation is the community organization that represents Sonics owners in the U.S., and they've been hard at work in the background since we last spoke with them. The foundation has a couple of new initiatives that are starting to come together, and we'll talk with Mike Farley and Robbie Culver and hear all about these efforts. My name is Jeff Schultz, builder and pilot of Sonic 604 and Sonics 1374. Joining me are Gary Motley and Mike Needenthal. So regular listeners will note that John Gillis is absent, and he's settling in to his Antarctic rotation. Won't we'll be back until later this year. So with that, Gary Motley is gonna do the heavy lifting on the Normal Sonics crew. Gary is a longtime pilot, he's a former CFI and a multi-time airplane builder. Gary, what's
1: going on? Oh, we've got some great weather out here in the Denver area. It's looking like a perfect weekend to get some serious flight time in.
0: We've had a couple of really nice days. You know, we're a few hundred miles east of you, but um, it's been gorgeous, especially since last week we had our first snowflakes. That was crazy.
1: Yeah, prior to the last few days, we had about 10 days of almost IFR weather. It was pretty sucky, I have to say, so I'm looking forward to this weekend.
0: Are you guys going to get any of that rain that's coming up out of the Gulf? Better not. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Uh, you can um, get the plane ready to make the trip down to uh, Reclaw.
1: Yeah, I put some more stickers on it, more graphics. I'm getting it all prettied up.
0: Also joining us is Mike Needenthal. Mike has been on uh, numerous times in the past. He's going to be filling in for John over the next couple of months. Mike is a captain for a major airline. He's a regular delinquent on the Sonics Flight shenanigans. Our guests on this episode are the founders of the Sonics Builders and Pilots Foundation, Mike Farley and Robbie Cover. Mike Farley is the builder of YX-56. He's based in central Ohio. He's a CFI and a professional pilot flying Hawker BizJets. Mike's currently serving as the president of the foundation, and this is Mike's, if Mike count is right, Mike, it's your third time on the podcast.
2: Yeah, I think so. It's uh, great to be back. I really appreciate the offer. and looking forward to it.
0: And I see your engine overhaul is complete, and you've been posting some uh, some real nice looking flying photos on Facebook. How's that thing running?
2: It's running great. Yeah, I, I kind of missed some of the the summer. I was hoping to have everything done before Oshkosh so I could fly it up there this year. But then we decided to move to a different house, and you know, family obligations kind of got in the way, so I didn't get to back uh, get the plane back in the air till later this fall. But plane's running great. It's uh, doing very well. I basically rebuilt the whole engine and. Other than reusing the, the crankcase and the camshaft and some other small pieces, it's basically a brand new Aero-V. Uh, running real well, running real smooth, and I'm enjoying the, uh, the break-in hours to get some time on it before it starts getting cold here in Ohio.
0: And that really is one of the genuine benefits of an Aero-V. Uh, for, for what the engine is, it is a, an easy-to-work-on, very affordable engine to overhaul when it's time to start pulling parts out and replacing them with new ones.
2: Oh yeah, it's great. I on on mine, it's it's sporting a brand new crankshaft, you know, connecting rods, pistons, rings, cylinders, heads, uh, pretty much everything. And I think I have less than two thousand dollars invested in it. On it's basically a brand new engine. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, if if you want an economical way to keep the airplane in the air, it's it's hard to go wrong with an Arrow All right,
0: well, good deal. And Robbie Culver. Robbie is an instrument rated private pilot. He's the builder of Sonics 1517. That's a standard gear Sonics undergoing, as we speak, an engine swap to a brand new Jabiru
1: 3300.
0: Ooh. Robbie's the father of the foundation, and he's currently serving on the board. So, Robbie, uh, how is that engine swap going?
3: Hey, Jeff. It's going really good. Um, we hung the engine on the airframe this past weekend. Went pretty uneventfully, so now I'm going through the tasks of connecting the fuel, the oil, the electrical, uh, all the fun stuff that goes with hanging a brand new engine on an existing airframe and just plugging away at it and looking forward to getting it back in the air.
0: And the Jabru engines, especially the the Gen 4s, uh, they are a really good-looking engine. They, just, they have a, a very nice kind of professional finish to them. I just love the way they look.
3: We were actually joking that it looks more like a work of art, and I'm going to be, uh, you know, not so happy when we cowl it up and can't gaze at it anymore.
0: Well, and then, uh, you know, the um, the cylinders sit right behind the inlets, and so when you start splattering with bug guts, you know, you'll get over that.
3: <laughs> Very true. But I am looking forward to splattering it with bug guts, so we got that going for us. <laughs> right.
0: Mine has four years of bug guts on it, and I'm like, eh, why bother anymore? Yeah. <laughs>
3: So, now it's going good, and we're having a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to getting it back in the air, but I'm also taking my time because it's late in the flying season in the Midwest, so I want to do it right.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a great time to do it, and you can really be deliberate about it and make sure you don't miss anything in a rush to, to try to get it flying.
3: Exactly. And we, we, I had a long list of things that I'd wanted to do to the airplane like most builders, and I'd been kind of putting them off, so we're knocking that off, too. I did ADSB out and added a better engine mon- monitor system, so...
0: Mm-hmm. Well, people have asked me, you know, why I upgraded from uh, an Aero-V to a Jabru. You know, was it because I wasn't happy with my Aero-V? Um, and I always say the same thing. The, uh, the Aero-V does fine, especially if you fly by yourself uh, often. But there is just no substitute for hanging 40 extra horsepower on the front of a Sonics. I mean, it just awakens that airplane like you won't believe. So you're going to love flying it.
3: I can't wait to find out
0: all right. Well, Robbie, we talked to you last on episode five. That was nearly two years ago about the foundation and uh, quite a bit's happened since then. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to going over some of the, the changes and uh, letting people get a little better understanding of what the foundation has done and what
3: they're continuing to do. Excellent. We're looking forward to discussing it, Jeff, and thanks for the opportunity to do so.
0: Well, with that, why don't we get started by providing a little bit of background so, Mike or Robbie, um, I'll let you guys uh, flip for it. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about where the foundation came from, what the driving force and the the goal and and the mission of the foundation is, and then we'll go from there.
2: Great, Robbie. It's your it was your idea in the first place, so you got to in this. Why don't you uh, Why
3: don't you take this it's- one? That's true. So, uh, Jeff, the foundation was started by a conversation by some early members of the sonicsbuilders.net website. That was myself, Mike Farley, and Eric Sieber. We were all early on the new forum, because at the time the Yahoo group was still up. Um, I'd been involved with the type club when I owned Assessment 150. I'd been pretty involved, and I noticed that we did not have a type club for the Sonics. So, we started talking about it, um, and the three of us organized it as a uh, legal not-for-profit, um, we had some help from a, the same attorney that set up the Cesta 150-152 Foundation, um, so we had a good basis to go off of, we pretty much modeled the organization after that organization, and our first effort was to get a website up and running, so we would have a, the ability to communicate to people that were interested, provide technical resources, technical documents, um, how-to articles, etc., and we also, well, mostly Mike, Mike Farley, but uh, we partnered with Sonics Aircraft to create a transition training document. So that was, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was like May of 2013-ish, um, which kind of surprises me because it's been basically, basically five years now, and that's that to me is a little shocking. But that's where we're at. And the foundation's goals were uh, initially to create a type group for the community, um, uh, kind of pool technical knowledge and best, best practices, um, try and help people prevent the, the mistakes that are easy to make when you're building or when you're buying an existing sonics or any of the models thereof. Um, and provide a community where we could have technical discussions and, I guess, uh, a a forum for discussing things all about sonics.
0: Well, good. Um, So over the last four or five years, the Foundation has been pretty successful in uh, in doing a number of things. So give us a quick rundown on what you think the the big accomplishments of the Foundation
3: to date have been. Well, the biggest accomplishment has so far has been the transition training um we happen to have really good timing in that we created the document the same time as sonics was starting the t-flight program so we co-authored with uh, largely it was mike farley and joe norris but certainly there were other people involved that wrote a document on how to properly train for your first flight Um, i benefited personally from that because i got to do uh, first flight training with two different uh Two different YXs and two different instructors, and for my own self, that was exactly one of the reasons I, I wanted to start the foundation, and, and it gave me the personal confidence that I made a safe first flight, and we're hoping that for other people, they got that opportunity. Um, obviously, since then, things have changed with transition training. We'll talk about that a little later. One of the other big things that we did was we got involved with the EAA Type Club Coalition, the TCC. Um, We've been involved in that pretty much since it really, really got going. We've been to some of the annual meetings up at Oshkosh. Uh, We got some interaction with some of the big and little type clubs. And it kind of not only gave us some visibility and an opportunity to share what we've done, but we learned a lot from the other organizations and were able to exchange not only ideas. um, I I read some of their newsletters uh they i've learned from what they do um and we've also created this new newsletter that's up roughly four times a year to the community um we really enjoy putting it out because it gives us an opportunity in print to kind of do a a nice looking set of articles whether it's technical articles or you know we we have had people write up their trip reports like Jim Hickey's trip to Alaska um have builders share their you know their experience and what they're doing and what's unique about their plane uh, so we've kind of tried to just give the community a voice and uh, an opportunity to interact in ways that may or may not have existed before. I don't know, but that's kind of what we did.
0: Okay. Uh, Mike, what would you add to that list? Um, what do you think some of the, the big accomplishments?
2: Yeah, well, so far, like, like Robbie said, I mean, the, uh, the, the transition training, uh, you know, when we started writing the syllabi to – create a transition training program, the idea was to try to start creating a, a system. This was even before we knew that T-Flight was coming into existence up in Oshkosh. We wanted to create a method for people to uh, get training and preparation to fly their own Sonics for the first time. So we kind of hit it on two sides. We started off on a train, uh, an actual training syllabus and then at the same time we started in on the LODA process, a letter of deviation authority that any Sonex aircraft owner can go through with their local FISDO, and uh, basically get one of their operating limitations superseded. the The rule that says you cannot use your aircraft for compensation or hire. Uh, in this case, what you can do is, is work with your local FISDO. You can actually get a a letter from them uh, to allow flight training to happen in your airplane. So. I went through that early on. Uh, It wasn't the easiest method in general, but that was, I think, due to my local FISDO not knowing what was going on. Uh, I obtained my LODA and kind of we we created a lot of documentation to make that an easy process for those who were going to do the same thing. And I don't know how many people have done it. I don't think hardly anybody, but uh, it's it's certainly a viable option for people who want to want to help the community a little bit. At the same time, I think about this time, Rob, you can correct me, but the Yahoo groups were shutting down. So we were starting to look into the website, which we do have our own website. And uh, actually, it just worked out timing-wise that one of the Foundation members was uh, working on and created what we all now call the, uh, the Sonics forums, the SonicsBuilders.net, which we as the Foundation do not own but we work in conjunction, we work in close proximity with the owner of that website and uh, that's, that's been a, a wonderful uh, resource in my opinion, uh, especially after the Yahoo groups all shut down just as a community resource for people to be able to post questions and get answers and while it's far from perfect, it's certainly a lot better than uh, not having anything at all. So, so that's, that's kind of where we are right now. I think right now as we sit here, we have about 500 members, uh, on, of the, uh, Sonics Builders and Pilots Foundation. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, hopefully that number will continue to grow. Uh, you know, we certainly have a lot of ideas for the future and I'm sure some of those we'll get into here, but, uh, it's, it's been a good start so far. I think Robbie and I both agree that it's, uh, it's already exceeded our expectations of what we were expecting when it first started. Uh, and we just hope that it continues to grow and continues to be a, an asset for the community in general.
0: So Mike, you said about 500 members and explain the membership philosophy and uh, and how how to become a member.
2: Yeah, we actually have. It's a two-tiered membership, and this is something that may possibly be modified in the future. But we, we've been happy with us so far. With a two-tiered membership, you can go to the Sonics Foundation website, which is simply www.sonicsfoundation.com. It's all one word, and you can become a member. Now there is uh, two different options. You can become a general public standing member, which is absolutely free; doesn't cost you anything. And that gives you access to our website, to previous archive newsletters, so on and so forth. If you would like to assist in the community a little bit, if you will, if you'd like to uh, actually uh, submit a payment, we can then make you a voting member. It's $25 annually to become a voting member. And by doing that, uh, you are then... Uh, eligible to vote in our yearly membership meetings, which we've been hosting at AirVenture every year, and that uh, allows you to cast your vote for uh, board of directors, uh, uh, president, vice president. If people are elected, uh, you actually, you know, you can vote. You can have your voice be heard uh, for the the meeting. So, two tier membership: one is free, one is twenty five dollars annually. And uh, that money just simply goes towards website maintenance. Uh, It goes towards, uh, you know, hopefully future projects, some of the things we've been working on. But, uh, you know, we hope to make it worthwhile for people to consider uh, becoming voting members. But that's that's where we're at right now. Well, guys, I just did a quick check, and I looked at the uh, Sonic site, a
1: number of completions, and it shows 608. So if you've got 500 members, uh, that's a significant portion of... Islamic people.
2: Yeah, it's been wonderful. You know, you have some people that kind of come and go and some people, uh, you know, every, we, we try to send out those quarterly newsletters to everybody and we, we inevitably get a couple returns of people who are no longer uh, uh, around, whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's been a wonderful turnout. Like like I said, we've, I think Robbie and I were expecting, you know, in our wildest dreams, we might get half of this number, but uh, it shows that there was definitely a, a desire amongst this community to have a a member uh, a uh, an owner's forum and uh i think people are really enjoying the opportunity i know people enjoy the the uh the yearly membership meeting up at oshkosh and the the foundation barbecues that we have and we can talk about that as well but uh it's it's been certainly a wonderful asset for people and i think it's a good thing to have around or people are
1: just glutton for punishments look at all the people to listen to our podcasts
2: Yeah,
3: absolutely. (laughs) We always need uh, a big list of victims, so that works well. Yeah. (laughs) I think one of the other things I'd I'd like to point out that we've done well, um, and it was started on a whim, was the member barbecue at Oshkosh. So we've been incredibly lucky that Wayne Daniels has been a very gracious and uh, awesome host for an annual meeting of the members off the edge of the airport on the east side. During the night air show every year at Oshkosh, and what started out as kind of a whim has become pretty much a highlight of Oshkosh for a lot of members.
0: Yeah, Robbie, absolutely. Um, to me, that is definitely on my short list of highlights. It's a it's a great venue to um, It's a it's a good barbecue. The price is excellent. For five bucks, you get to go hang out with a bunch of like minded Sonics people. You get to go to Wayne's. Very unique perspective of the air show, which is on the backside of the airport, underneath sort of the turnaround side on where the air show is happening. So you're not looking out at the air show, you're looking up at the air show, and that's a wonderful spot. Have a burger, chat with other Sonics builders, make connections with people all over the world, and uh, and enjoy a wonderful perspective for the night air show. It's absolutely a highlight.
3: Yeah, and we're, we're incredibly lucky that Wayne hosts it. When we first started talking about doing that, I uh, I compared the price of doing it in one of the EAA sponsored venues, and uh, let's just say that the price wouldn't have been five dollars a piece.
0: Yeah, well, Mike, I, I want to just um, touch on what you said about the membership, and so I'd like to just leave people with something to consider. You know, why become a member and why become a supporting member through the twenty five dollar annual membership dues to get voting member privileges. The, the foundation really is um, the recognized community body, and, and the foundation has taken on the role of representing builders and, and pilots to the FAA, to the EAA, and the Type Club Coalition, and and in a lot of other ways, and even back to Sonics Aircraft, LLC. So we have a single united voice that carries our message and our concerns to everybody else. And if you don't join and become part of that organization, you you know, maybe you, your perspective doesn't get included or maybe uh, we, we water down the effect of having that united voice. So absolutely, I think it's important that everybody who is um, either considering Sonics, who is definitely building a Sonics or has purchased and already flying and now they're a second or third owner, they, they really need to be a part of the organization, a part of the community and pool their voice back into the foundation's voice. And secondly, the foundation really relies on the, the donated efforts of the members, whether that's submissions for the newsletter or whether that's the manpower to bring some of these projects together, like the barbecue and things like that. Um, we, we don't have a lot of overhead in the foundation, but we do have the occasional cost of trying to support programs and, and, uh, and get organized and be able to put on a good show representing the community. And the only way we get that that support is by the, the member contributions. And it really is important. It, it allows the foundation to do more than just uh, type an email and, and send it. It allows them to, to go and attend uh, type club conferences uh, to represent, to support programs that are that are working well and important. So that's my just kind of my general pitch on why you ought to be part of the foundation and why you ought to consider supporting it financially as well.
2: Yeah, well, thank you, Jeff. Really appreciate that. Yeah, we've been we we've really been blessed. I mean, this has been a a, a wonderful involvement so far, and we've never when Robbie and 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 uh, Eric and I we we when we sat down to create this, we didn't create it to be the the Robbie and Mike and Jeff, uh, or Robbie Mike and Eric uh, you know, uh, type club. I mean, it was meant to be a community project, community involvement something we've always really strive for be it newsletter articles be it stories be it whatever the case may be we, we've always wanted it to be a community thing and, and thankfully it really is and we've we've really been very fortunate with uh factory um uh, involvement and support from sonics you know they they've always supported us they they very verbally uh say that and, and including all the way up to and including uh recognizing us in newsletter articles and you know, whatever the case may be. So we're very, very lucky to have that kind of uh, support involvement. And uh, like I said, we just hope that it's worthwhile. We wanted to, uh, you know, create an environment for people to be safe and people to be informed and people to have fun. And uh, I'd like to think that it's done that. And I hope that it continues. And I hope that we can continue to grow with more involvement and more participation from people. And Uh, But I I really appreciate everything that you're saying, and uh, we we certainly welcome and appreciate the support from the members.
0: Mike, as I kind of run down the mental list of of things that the Foundation has done, um, we we hit on a bunch of these already, but I want to just dig into them a little more. There is um, a YouTube channel that the Foundation has um, a a few links to other playlists, but on that channel there are some interesting videos. Uh, You did a video on the Turbo, which at the time – Uh, There was hardly anybody flying turbos and hardly anybody that was putting any sort of information out there. And so that's the type of thing that the foundation can step in and say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to pool the membership and we're going to say, hey, we, we would like somebody to make a, a video covering this topic or write an article on this topic. And we can pool our collective resources to do that. And then, Advertise it back to the membership through the YouTube channel or the newsletter or things like that. So that's one thing that, that the foundation has done in the past and, and can continue to do. And then, Robbie, the newsletter. The newsletter is a great product. I mean, it, it's anywhere from 15 to 50 pages long. And it has uh, probably, what, about 6 to 12 different articles that go into it, whether that's a member submission or uh, sort of a roundtable. Um, It really is a a great read, and it's a good resource, and it's relevant to go back and and look at the past issues.
3: Uh, That's great to hear. Thanks, Jeff. And Jim Hickey's been been an awesome asset to kind of pick up when I had to step aside due to work requirements. So um, the goal here was to, I I had been a newsletter editor for EAA Chapters in the past and for a local vintage uh, aircraft organization, so I kind of knew the background of doing it. I love to write, and I like taking pictures, and that was kind of my outlet for creativity. And Jim just did a great job picking it up and taking off with it. So yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun and I think it's been a good voice for the, the community and, and for the foundation.
0: So Robbie, I'm going to say something which uh, I know you want to say, but um, I'm going to say it for you. So just <laughs> bear with me. <laughs> and that is the the newsletter relies on people stepping up and sending something in. And it doesn't have to be a polished master's thesis. It can be a simple trip report, or it can be, hey, I thought I would uh, take some photos of this particularly complicated uh, construction task, and I just thought I would share my solution with it. It can be anything. It can be even similar to what you might find on a typical post on the Sonics Builder Forum. Think about it in terms of if you know something or you have a story or a success that you want to share with people, you think it might be valuable, go ahead and snap a few pictures, write up a little bit of text, and send it in.
1: Well, that's good to know, because I'm sure a lot of us are more, instead of being poetic or more of the, the, uh, the, the coloring book type, we can fill in the lines. So if there's someone out there that has an idea wants to submit something, I'm sure Robbie and uh, Mike can probably uh, polish it up a little bit for them.
3: Yeah, great point, Jeff. And and the whole organization, and especially the newsletter, are absolutely nothing without member involvement. And one of the things we, and Mike said it a few minutes ago, one of the things we've been pushing since the beginning is this isn't about us. This is about everybody. We can't have a newsletter without submissions. We can't have technical articles without ideas. Um, I'm good at editing. I don't need to rewrite something for somebody. I sometimes just need to clean up the way that they wrote it or, or ask them more questions to fill in the details. Don't be shy about submitting stuff. We love hearing about if you just started a build. Um, I want to hear about it. We all want to hear about it. If you got pictures of, you know, we've had submissions of really neat ideas on remote fuel shutoff for the panel and for customization and neat baggage slings and all that stuff helps somebody out. They may be thinking, how could I do this? They read the article and go, oh, wow, that's how somebody did it. I can do it that way. Or maybe I'm going to do it this way. Bring it all on.
0: So here's a, just a quick anecdote. Um, in the next newsletter, the one that's going to be coming out, uh, I, I don't know, in the next publication cycle, uh, you're going to find a great l- little write-up from Gary about his custom graphics on his on his new project, <laughs> because everybody wants custom graphics, but how do you get it? Where do you go? What do you need to do to be able to go to an artist and get him to deliver what you want? Well, Gary recognized this, and he was telling me the other day, Jeff, I... I, I I feel like I ought to share this fantastic resource with everybody. I'm thinking about writing an article.
1: And boom! He's submitted an article. I, I knew it was going to take too long for Jeff to step up and volunteer me for something.
2: <laughs> well, Gary, it doesn't it's, have to be 20 pages. I mean, you can keep it, you know, just direct, but we, we can't wait to read it.
3: Uh, it'll be good. Coloring
2: book. It'll be good. Crayons
3: are okay. Crayons are fine, Gary. Uh, you, you, can, you can write big letters. It's all okay. Okay. <laughs> We'll do it. I I, I knew I come in at a good time.
0: <laughs> hey, Mike. Um, everything, uh, all is good, and in, in, uh, in Vegas.
4: All, all is good. I just uh, I I uh, acquired my uh, hanger for the first of November, that's what I was doing. So sorry about that, guys.
3: Oh, good, good. <laughs> so, Mike, had I known you were in Vegas, I was out there last week for work. I would have found a way to stop by and harass you.
4: Well, you should have. You should have. No, I didn't get my. F- I'll give you my number later, and you can give me a call when you get out here next
3: time. <laughs> That'll be a while. <laughs>
4: okay.
0: Mike likes to use a series of dead drop locations, so he'll give you a coded message, and that's oh, yeah. when you can meet him. <laughs> yeah, right.
3: Look, he's in Vegas. That's that's <laughs> totally norm for Vegas.
4: That is. I fit right in. Not really.
2: <laughs> Nobody fits in. That's okay.
4: I'm forced right in. I'm I'm, I'm forced right in here. <laughs>
2: No, that's okay.
0: All right. Um, Well, Mike, what other um, popular resources are available on the website? If somebody was to go and take a quick look exploring around, what might you direct their attention to?
2: We've actually just finished up on a, uh, a news, uh, I'm sorry, a website kind of uh, update, and I know that it's been a kind of a work in progress. We're continuing to work on that. What we've wanted to do was create a website for people who, number one, maybe have an interest in building or buying a Sonex, but really don't know that much about the airplane, what the options are, what, uh, you know, how, how the airplane is built. So on and so forth. So we went through, we, we've written different articles, and we've cannibalized some of the newsletter articles and just put our own stuff on there uh, to give people some information on how the airplane's built, what are the different models, what do they represent, um, so on and so forth. Some of the aforementioned information on transition training and how would an owner obtain a LODA. Uh, from the local FISDO, that information is on there. We try to keep, uh, you know, technical information, you know, somewhat current if people are, are offering or have you know, an update or a modification they think has worked out really well for them. We try to keep that information available Uh, for a while. We were running a little bit of uh, Sonex accident statistics, but I don't know if that's still on the website or not. Uh, You know, most accidents always kind of seem to boil down to either a uh, engine failure for unknown reasons or loss of directional control, and it was just kind of a repeated uh, message. So I think we might have taken some of that back off. Uh, you know, How to become a member is certainly on there. Just the links on how you would become a member itself. Uh, links to the uh, sonicsbuilders.net forums that, again, are not owned by the Foundation. We do not own the forums but we just work with the owner who who has graciously allowed us to help him and uh, we have a really good relationship with chris Blathus, who uh who owns and manages the the forums website themselves um what else robbie what else am i forgetting that's on the
3: foundation website No, you pretty much hit on it, Mike. Um, We tried to keep a lot of the stuff technical, um, and I got a really good example if somebody's not sure about the kind of stuff we're talking about. So when I built my Sonics, I completed it three years ago this month for the first flight. Um, I put in a taper pin in my control sticks that was written up by Eric Sieber, who at the time was deeply involved in the foundation in building a YX. And that article is still on the website. It still includes part numbers. And we even have a tapered reamer for the taper pin that's available for loan. Um, it's out in the community somewhere. It wouldn't be too hard to find. So the part numbers are right. The steps are clear. I followed them. They worked. So if I can follow them, anybody can. And that's a good example of an article where somebody came up with a method. Eric was an PIA, and he wrote a very good article with correct information, and we had the tool. So there's member involvement, you know, right back to the beginning.
0: Okay, good. Well, let's talk uh, in detail about the, um, the, tr- the transition training. We've, we've kind of been hinting about the, um, the existing transition training effort that the foundation was involved in and then the new one. So maybe just to clarify and then we'll dig into where the foundation currently is. Uh, up till this point, Transition training was either through the Loda process, which is described in the stuff you were talking about, Mike, um, or through the Sonics Aircraft uh, T Flight program. Well, as many people know, the T Flight program has been suspended and very likely will not come back in the near future. And so that left a, a gap in the community. What what is an owner to do who is just about done building their new Sonics airplane and uh, they they want to get proficient so they can go fly it and they can do it safely. Or they have just purchased an already completed and flying Sonics, but it's new to them. And they want to get some transition training before they jump in and go fly it. Now they might want to do this just for their own peace of mind and, and proficiency. Or they might have a requirement from their insurance company to go get logged experience of one variety or another. Uh, before the insurance company will insure them. And so that is really the the problem set that takes us into this latest effort the foundation has been doing. How do we help builders that either need transition training or they need some sort of assistance with their insurance company? Uh, so the latest program that the foundation is just about ready to release, and it's going to be on the website, probably by the time you hear the podcast, you will be able to find all these details posted, is uh, a new Transition Training Syllabus that the Foundation has put together. It relies heavily on the early work that was done with Sonics Aircraft and Joe Norris when he was working at Sonics. It has input from EAA and and others as to the types of training tasks that should be included when you're preparing to go fly Sonics. And it breaks it down into a methodical approach uh, on the types of things that you ought to cover with your instructor. There is one caveat, and this is where the departure from the old T-Flight syllabus is. Because uh, there is no T-Flight, and there are very few, if any, Loda holders that can do actual dual instruction in a Sonics airplane, this syllabus includes the concept that you may not be able to fly transition training in a Sonics, but we're going to recommend some alternatives that are, are similar aircraft. They have similar handling characteristics, similar sight pictures, and are a reasonable stand-in uh, in lieu of an actual sonics. And so that's what this new syllabus really kind of captures. Mike, why don't you describe some of the things that went into that?
2: Yeah, you, you, you described it excellent, Jeff. Yeah, what one of the primary goals of the foundation ever since we created it was, and it always has been, safety. We want people to be able to, hop in these airplanes and be as safe as possible. And if you look at the accident statistics, it it, uh, was pretty obvious that people that are low time in the Sonics tend to be the people that have loss of control accidents. I mean, you can imagine situations, we've all been there, where you're building your airplane, you're spending a couple years on it. You really don't get to spend a whole lot of time flying other airplanes because you're spending so much time focused on building your airplane. Then you actually get it out to the airport, you're flying it, so now you are potentially a little bit rusty, you're flying an untested, unproven airplane, uh, and you, know, it, it, you kind of run into some, uh, some higher risks. So we're trying to figure out how to mitigate those risks. Now, in the Vans RV world, there are tons of transition training options available. You can go out to their factory in Oregon. They have people all throughout the country. But we as a Sonics uh, community didn't really have that. There have been a couple of Loda holders in the past. As far as I'm aware of right now, as of today, there's nobody that's actively offering transition training uh, through a Loda process. And as you've already said, the T-Flight program uh, through the Sonics factory is, uh, is on indefinite hold. And uh, having done the Loda program myself and having at one point a Loda certificate for my airplane... I can tell you that the process is pretty easy, but unless you're going to be doing this on a semi-regular basis, uh, you know the, the increase on insurance premiums and just the wear and tear on the airplane can be somewhat problematic. So it's not un, it's not surprising that uh, there's just very few transition training programs available. So what we were doing is kind of a, a EAA type coalition club a uh, goal which is something that we had talked about at Oshkosh, you know Robbie and I've sat on these meetings before of you know what can you do if you're building an experimental and there is no training available you don't want to do something to make the first flights as safe as possible certainly as well trying to get some type of insurance mandated training some of the older examples they were using are people who are building Thorpe T18s or Mustang 2s you know, could they use a Vans RV since it's very, very similar uh, in terms of performance and, and handling? And so what we try to do in this case is what is similar to a Sonics? What can we use for this type of training? And if somebody is able to go to a non-Sonics aircraft to get the training, Would that be recognized by an insurance company as, okay, we've got the training, I have some training, it's not in a Sonics because a Sonics is not available, but this is as close as I can get, and it's certainly a lot better than nothing. And that's kind of what we've been focused on. Well, let's let's, let's just stop
1: for just a second if we can. Did did you get any feedback from the insurance on training in non-Sonics aircraft to meet that intent?
0: we have had several discussions with some insurance uh, agents that have access to the underwriters and these conversations are continuing but what they have done and and the the one who has been the quickest to come out and say oh yeah we we definitely like that is aviation insurance resources now there are others out there so if you have a relationship with falcon or aopa or whatever your other your other broker or agent goes Um, You know, talk to them about it. And we're going to have these discussions continuing in the future. But what they have said is a program like this that is accepted by the manufacturer and that is offered uh, with the weight of a community organization behind it absolutely will have a positive impact to the underwriters. Uh, If if we – going through an insurance agent, if we take this and present this to the underwriter with the pilot details and their their qualifications – It will undoubtedly have a positive impact. Now, this is not a one-size-fits-all thing where it's a simple yes-no flowchart where if you have done this, then you're automatically covered. Insurance is never going to work like that. As much as we might like to move in that direction, it's still going to be very personalized and individual. But we have got a, a, a really great endorsement from AIR that says if a customer comes to them and, and tells the insurance, here's my background, and I plan to follow this approved transition training syllabus, that that will undoubtedly work in their favor with the underwriter. What does that mean? What does is, what is work in their favor? Well, it might be a more favorable rate, they pay less for their insurance, or more probably, if they don't have any sort of Sonic's time, and uh, maybe something that's not really similar In the past, an underwriter might not even want to insure them. They might tell them, no, until you have 10 or 20 hours in a Sonics, we just flat won't insure you. Or you need to go get logged dual instruction with a CFI in a Sonics before we'll insure you, which we know is is not viable right now. So rather than the underwriters requiring this, this really high standard that they can't meet, they'll come down off of that and say, okay, we will accept this in lieu of it.
1: To make sure I understand you correctly, though, this is still a presumption that they'll do this.
0: This is this is the the agent saying that they are confident that this will have a positive impact. This is not um, a guarantee by the underwriters themselves, and we're working to try to firm this up and formalize it. Yeah, for I
1: mean, I'm, I'm certainly I'm 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 hoping everything's going to work out. I agree. I just know that when I did my second aircraft here recently, although initially I was able to get zero time coverage for my Sonics almost universally, and of course there's no such thing as totality, but almost universally now, the underwriters are requiring specific make and models. And and most of the time, it's a minimum of five hours. So if if there's some way that we can promote this uh, transition flight and come up with some uh, designated models that will meet that and get backing by Sonics as well, uh, that would be a great boost because, you know, in this last insurance Escapade myself. I just basically went naked for my first five hours. Uh, spent five hours droning over the airport until I could get those five hours, and then Monday morning called up the uh, the underwriter or broker again to submit the claim or the insurance request to the underwriters. Um, so yeah, I mean I hope this is really good, but for right now, as I understand, they do require time and make and model.
0: And that is that is exactly what we're trying to to prevent, um, is people having to make that choice to fly naked until the underwriter will cover them. Now, again, this this program has got great reception from uh, the agents that we've talked to. And they've said, oh, yeah, this is, this is going to make um, a, a direct impact when we go back to the underwriters, I can guarantee it. Um, that's not an underwriter putting it in writing. They are very resistant to do that. And so the best advice I can give you is... You need to have a conversation with your agent, and if you do not have an insurance agent, we have one that we've been working with that can definitely uh, represent you and, and and get you the best deal you know that they're capable of. Definitely accounting for this as well. And so I'll I'll put a link to Aviation Insurance Resources. Um, I'll put that in the show notes. And again, it's not an endorsement for them. It's just a we are having these conversations with everybody we can. And so far AIR has been very, very enthusiastic about this. And so I encourage you to reach out to them.
1: Have you been able to come up with any specific aircraft, um, substitutes that might qualify or suggested?
0: Currently the aircraft that are on there are the RV series, the side-by-side RV 12, RV six, RV seven, the Zenith, um, 600 or 601 and 650, uh, the the Grumman Yankee or Tiger, and then many of the other low wing LSA's that are out there, the Gobosh, the the sport cruisers and things like that.
1: Oh, that would be pretty uh, global and encompassing.
0: Yeah, there are. It is not going to be a hard fast model specific checklist. Um, there are there's just too many variables to account for. But it does give several recommended substitute-like aircraft platforms that that you could investigate using for your transition training.
3: One of the things I ran into when I was getting ready for my first flight um, was kind of everything we just said, but rolled up into one. So I I was a low-time tailwheel pilot who was building a tail dragger. Um, I was fortunate enough to do some transition training with Mike Farley, um, and then I was also fortunate enough to do some transition training with training with the T Flight program. And I'm pretty convinced had I not been able to do that with one or both of them, I would not have been able to get insurance at the time because back this was three years ago. They were there was no company that I talked to that would have accepted anything but time and type dual instruction. So we have at least kind of cross that bridge to where at least now they'll listen to us.
0: Right. So, Robbie, let me just paint a hypothetical for people that are listening and they're still a little confused. Here's the scenario that we're trying to prevent. So a brand new, relatively low-time Sonics builder says, my plane's ready to fly. I want insurance. And they go to their local broker, whoever that is and the broker goes to the underwriter and shops it for a policy. And the underwriters say, oh, this doesn't look good. Low time, no Sonics experience. We're really uncomfortable. We're going to require 10 hours of dual or 10 hours of time and type or something like that. If if we just stop there, the broker just returns that back to the customer and says, here's what they said. Sorry about that. and And now you can't get insurance. And and previously, the conversation normally just stopped right there, and people just were unable to get insurance. So they flew naked or they, you know, did something like that. Now we have an, another point to have a conversation. So that same thing happens. We, we go, the agent goes to the underwriter, and the underwriter says, hey, this is what we really want. We really want, you know, 10 hours of dual and a sonics. Now the broker has something they can point back and say, well, wait a sec, hold on. They're going to they're going to follow this Sonics approved transition training syllabus, and it lays out a, a plan for them in a, in a similar aircraft with a CFI. And when they complete that, they're going to be they're going to be ready to go fly their Sonics um, as as well as they can be. You know, not having time in a Sonics, and and that provides a basis to have a conversation between the the, the customer, the agent, and then the underwriter. And the goal is that. Now that agent can go back and, and convince the underwriter, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take this. This will be good enough. And maybe they'll come down instead of 10 hours dual in a sonics. Maybe they'll say, okay, we'll accept this and we'll give you a more reasonable restriction. Like we'll cover you right from the start, but we want you to have three hours total time before you take a passenger. Well, that's a whole lot lower standard than 10 hours dual you know, before you even set foot in a Sonics. So that's the kind of discussion that this opens the door to having between the agent and the underwriter. So if anyone has questions about this, go to the website. We will, I'll put a link in the show notes and you will be able to find the new recently released transition training syllabus posted on the Sonics Builders website very soon. And uh, And then talk to your broker of choice and um, and explain, hey this is this is what it the syllabus is, this is what I hope it can do for me, and and have them start that conversation. And if you don't have a broker of choice and you want to go to aviation insurance resources, they know exactly what this is. They've got this syllabus on file. They're ready to go with this conversation. And And so you can you can go to them and uh, they understand what we're trying to accomplish and how this is going to benefit. And they'll be willing to have that conversation on your behalf.
2: Maybe just to clarify for those who might have an interest in it or kind of maybe be confused as to what all is included in the syllabus, just real fast. um, It's not a real uh, complicated, in-depth type of course, you know, the. Remember back when the cirruss first came out in the early 2000s, you had to do a 15-hour training course to be, uh, you know, if you will, graduated from the, uh, the Cirrus training program. What we basically did on this new program is we took the T-flight syllabi and we just kind of tailored a little bit and we added a whole bunch of preliminary information on the airplane. We took some of the the notes that uh, you know, Joe Norris had written uh, when, as he was leading the T-Fly program, we got some feedback from some of the other high-time Sonics people in the community and some instructors on, okay, if if somebody's going to hop in the airplane and they're at least comfortable, proficient with a lsa size airplane, here are some some suggestions, some tips, some pointers to think about. So. Uh, for people who might have the question, you know, don't be worried. This isn't some type of a super in-depth program. It's simply a, a guidelines on what you hopefully can do if you are going to be up in an RV six or an RV seven, or if you have a friend that has a Zenith 650 and you, know, you can look at the syllabus and you can kind of go over, okay, I should probably be proficient in takeoffs, landings, some steep turns, some slow flight. Uh, you know, And if I can fly you know, X generic airplane, a, then my sonics should handle in a similar fashion along with these other recommendations on, okay, here's how the sonics flies. Here's what I can kind of expect and look forward to. Uh, you know, the whole idea here is just to try to make somebody as prepared as possible. If they unfortunately can't fly in a sonics until they're actually flying theirs. That's the the whole purpose, the whole name of the game here.
0: So, um, Mike Needenthal, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to kinda talk about it from your perspective. Oh um, so when you were preparing to fly your sonics, now right. you're you're a high time pilot. You you fly professionally for a major airline, you have GA experience and you have big airplane experience, you have all kinds of stuff. But again, you're transitioning into a new airplane. Yes. So this is the type of thing that even at your level of experience, this is still valuable to you. And what would you have done had this been available when you were getting ready to fly your
4: airplane? Oh, I would have I would have for sure used it. I would have got, went, gone and gotten, I mean, I, I switched in with you a couple of times, but uh, basically I would have used uh, something that, you know, I could use, like, like a 650 or something along those lines. I would have used that for sure to, to try to get some time in there. Uh, I actually flew naked uh, the first four or five. I actually got the uh, the uh, liability through the ultralight uh, association. And I did that for the first uh, six months and then I transferred over and did my full coverage with the broker I have now. So that's kind of how I did it. But uh, I would for sure use it. I mean, because anybody can use training. Training is always a good thing, no matter how much time you got.
0: Right. And, and um, you know, when you when you review the syllabus and if you're looking at it right now, that might be the easiest way to, to listen to this podcast is to look at the syllabus also. But when you look at it, there's nothing on there that you wouldn't see in a in a good flight review. It talks about a lot of the fundamentals. It talks about basic aircraft control. We're not blazing new ground, but what we're doing is we're giving you a lens by which you can you can approach transitioning into the Sonics. We're highlighting some areas that you ought to pay particular attention to. And we're saying, these are the things that are really going to be the money makers when you're tr- making the transition. It's very simple. It's very logical. And it provides that framework for anybody to use when they're getting ready to transition or possibly even for recurrent training. If you want, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go get a, uh, a BFR and um, rather than go fly in my instructor's Cessna, uh, I don't want to do that anyway. I want him to come fly with me in my airplane, but I'm not sure what I want to do. Well, you can pull the syllabus and use the recurrent training section to tailor a plan with your instructor in your airplane. So it it will be a value for people that are preparing to transition and um, and for people that are negotiating their insurance with their agents and the, and the underwriters. So it will, it will hopefully serve both of those needs. And um, we will make adjustments uh, over the next six months, 12 months as needed to kind of fine
4: tune it. And I, and I also, Jeff, I also found out that uh, through a friend of mine that uh, used to sell insurance, and he actually told me kind of what you guys probably talked about ahead of time, but uh, he actually told me that we're, that you actually can, uh, if you do get time in the Sonics, even though it says like your insurance might say, hey, you need five hours of dual or ten hours of dual, if you actually go get the time in a Sonics stick time, like with you or someone else, you can actually come back to that guy. He says nine times out of ten, you come back and say, hey, I got ten hours in the airplane now, and I want to get insured, and they'll say okay. And you just you just you might have to show some proof that you've been in a log book or whatever, but. You can you can do that because they always default to the most restrictive uh, for them. You know, the most uh, conservative for them is what they're trying to do. And then, uh, but basically, as soon as you get your time, you have no, should have no trouble getting insurance.
1: Yeah, I can pipe up again. It doesn't did not necessarily require a CFI dual time. Right. Uh, I just had to do my time. I submitted another affidavit saying yes, I actually did do this. Uh, they actually wired a separate form and affidavit of it, saying that I do have my five hours in making model now and requesting insurance for full coverage.
0: Right. Yeah, and this is not um you know this is not cheating the system when you fly in the right seat with a friend and you are the sole manipulator of the controls in that airplane, even though you know you took off as a passenger and. The, the owner of that airplane then turned over control of it at some point of you into the, in the flight, you log that time as pilot in command. You're the sole manipulator of the controls.
1: You're still PIC.
0: And and that's the way the regs read. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, when you come back to your insurance company and you say, I have 10 hours of pilot in command times because you physically were in the airplane flying it, even if it's from the right seat, um, there's no asterisk next to that 10 hours that says this is from the right seat. And, um, And I wasn't acting as pilot in command for the entire duration of the flight. That doesn't appear anywhere in your logbook. All right. um, Did did we miss anything on the transition training initiative and and anything we need to hit before we move on?
3: The only thing I'd add, Jeff, is that um, when some of our discussions with the factory and with EAA, um, this is something that's not just interesting to our community. So we're hoping that this can also help the experimental community as a whole, which was always one of the goals of the foundation. Um, I was going to say this earlier, but I just, just we always need to think about this. What we get to do with our aircraft is so unique in the states. We get to build them, we get to maintain them, we get to fly them. There are people in the rest of the world that look at us kind of in awe because they don't get to do it that way. And you've had people on the podcast that are disgusted. So this all adds up to helping everybody. And that also makes it a worthwhile effort. And it's important to not only the Sonics community, but to the EAB community as a whole.
0: Yeah, Robbie, that's right. And so it's hard to predict at this point where it's going. But the goal is to take this product from the foundation and then present it back to the experimental aircraft community at large and say, here is a possible roadmap to follow for other aircraft manufacturers and communities to also do this. And oh, by the way, the insurance company has been receptive to it in the Sonics fleet, and they'll probably be receptive to it in your fleet. And that's the goal that, that they're going to, Sonics is going to assist in this effort, but that's the goal is to export it across all of experimental aircraft communities. we have any of
1: our members who pursue this and actually get it qualified and, and underwritten, I'm sure all of us would certainly appreciate it if they were to report back to us and let us know how it went.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. We would love to hear some positive feedback or negative feedback if you're having problems. You might even be able to write a newsletter article. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Good segue, Jeff. Way to go. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. Well, um, with that segue, uh, let's talk about uh, what's on the horizon so what, what do we have coming up that the foundation is looking forward to or considering that, uh, that might be coming out soon? Robbie, uh, what what's coming up?
3: So we got two things that are uh, horizon projects, I'll call them. One of them we've successfully done in the past, which was a video from member uh, feedback. In other words, we took members' snippets of video. And we created a video called Yankin' and Bankin'. It's on our YouTube channel. It was a lot of fun to put together. It was neat to get to watch Robert Barber going through Big Bend in Texas and Kip Laurie doing aerobatics over Georgia and uh, Jim Hickey flying out west and the Subsonics doing its aerobatics routine in Oshkosh and a bunch of other stuff. We had Mike Smith out in Boston. We had, we had members that submitted little pieces of video and I want to do it again. The hard part and this has been a recurrent theme for us the hard part is getting people to actually give us things so here's what we need uh, first of all i'm going to preface it by if you're shooting video it has to be in a horizontal format you can't hold your phone vertically and send it to us we won't be able to use it so it needs to be some kind of high quality video it doesn't need to be fancy is it- doesn't need to have a unique perspective. We're not going to use 10 minutes of it. If you've got a a 30-second clip that's cool, uh, bring it on. And I'm going to, again, go back to we can't do this without people submitting stuff. This isn't the Robbie Culver or Mike Farley video. We've got our own stuff that we make. That's not the point. Um, For us to be able to continue producing video content and put it on the YouTube channel, we need stuff to submit to, to create, to edit. Um, so that's the first project, the second long-term goal. Um, and this one's a little more iffy. When we started the foundation, we, we were all going to Crossville every year to the ASA fly-in and it was a fantastic event. You got to look at people's airplanes. You got to maybe ride in a Sonics sometimes for the first time. It's where I made my first Sonics flight. Um, we got to look at each other's airplanes and see how somebody did something, or maybe instead of just reading about it or reading an article, someone could stand there and say, yeah, this is how I did this. That event was incredible. Um, but sadly that time has kind of passed and we said we would never even discuss doing a fly-in while ASA did theirs. So the time has kind of come where we need to at least discuss, does the Sonics community want a national fly-in? If so, when and where? And the key points, who's going to step up and take the mantle? I sure can't, and there's no way I can commit to it, and there's no way I would commit to it. My travel schedule at work is insane. I don't think there's anybody on this call who can handle it by themselves. If there is, speak now or forever hold your peace. So the point is, this won't work without a lot of involvement. Both of these projects rely on the people listening to the podcast reading the forums, building and flying the airplanes. All
0: right. So if you have an interest in organizing a fly-in in an area that has a large population that can get to it easily, so Gary, perhaps Denver is not the greatest place for the the new foundation fly-in, but somewhere well, kind of I back think east might be the better spot.
1: Everybody needs experience in high-density altitude. Right, Mike?
4: That's <laughs> right. That's right. I agree. Uh, uh, no, uh, you know what? Somewhere around Jeff would be the middle part of the country. I mean, you, you get guys from all over, probably from in that area, you know. So,
1: and,
3: and think of the seminars you could put on at that place, you know, like that. You could just have another seminar and
1: yeah, you could do mountain flying, high
3: density altitudes. firewall forward. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, if anybody has
0: a, an idea, on where they might think a, a fly-in would thrive. Roosterville and, um, somebody is a pretty good might...
4: place, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Roosterville is, is, is pretty good. Uh, you know, Gary has seen the amenities firsthand. And by the way, Gary, you've turned into a legend. I, I, I heard some people talk and they were like, did you hear about that guy that came in and landed at night? <laughs> and they were like,
1: no, no, that didn't actually happen. You mean in Roosterville. You look Everybody. like an
4: MD eighty on final. That looked like an MD eighty
1: <laughs> you like those
4: lights, Mike? I love them.
1: I know they're sweet. Wait till you see my next version.
4: Oh no! <laughs> I'm
1: gonna, I'm gonna pimp this thing out like you've never
3: seen. Red Clock, so, here we come. Huh? Said to the man who lives in Vegas. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, right. That's right.
0: Mike, it's not only going to have lights; it's going to have tassels. Yeah, it might have
1: something. Yeah, and they might even twirl in opposite directions too. You just never know. <laughs>
0: <Jeez>. <laughs> All right. So, on a serious note, if anybody has an idea on a location and uh, an event organizer, um, send it in to to Robbie or to Mike or to me. You can use the the podcast feedback at Sonic's flight email or just get on the Sonics forum and, and start a conversation and let's let's get some discussion going. And we really need someone who is passionate about uh, serving as the host and, and really kind of putting some organizational energy into it. And there'll be lots of help, but we need someone to carry the carry the, the, the heavy lifting.
3: And Jeff it's possible that the idea may not have merit and may not have interest. And I'm good with that too. But it, it needs to at least come up as discussion because Crossville was a great event, and it was brought so much to the community.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
3: I agree. In the video, I really need people to submit stuff.
1: Um, this has always been – I'll
3: send you one, Robbie. I got one. Please do. Thank you, Gary. Mike, you got to have something. I'll, I'll work on it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll, next, uh, we'll next cross, send stuff. My next
4: cross-country, I'll send something, yes.
3: Well, it can't be in the flight levels. I uh, know. <laughs> well, a Sonics and the flight levels would be noteworthy.
1: Hey, a, Sonics be
3: overall, a Sonics over Antarctica would be noteworthy still. So.
4: There we go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and um, Robbie, I think uh, a great short video clip is just take some quick video of your passenger when you're taking a, a Young Eagles flight or you're taking a friend flying for the first time and you get that big grin, that silly grin on their face. Um, that's great, little snippets, you know, that kind of stuff to go in.
3: Yes, and so I've got about a 10-second video where I plunked a video camera on the instrument panel, pointed at my son in the right seat as my friend Jim flew along the right side of the airplane in formation with his Sonics. That's just the kind of little clip we need. The more we get, the the neater the video. And if if somebody's not sure what we're talking about, go to the YouTube channel, go check out Yanking and Banking. It was fun. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll be flying some Young Eagles um, in the next couple weeks. So I'll definitely get some video of, of some Young Eagles flights and, and get some of that to you also. Excellent. All right, guys. Uh, did we miss anything, any important things that the Foundation has done or is doing or is considering doing that, uh, that we need to cover? And um, if we did, let's cover it. Otherwise, I think it might be time to wrap this one up.
3: No, I'm just going to add, Jeff, everything Michael and I both have said all along, which is this is not belong to two people or four people. This entire organization, the newsletter, the member barbecue, any videos, anything we do relies on help. It can't be done without member involvement. And we always need more help and we always want more help. And without all of that, the whole idea kind of starts to flatten out.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Mike, any, uh, any closing thoughts?
2: No, I'd just like to thank all of the, uh, directors board members who are currently serving or have served. Uh, this has just been uh, the last five years since we created this whole program. It's just, they've flown by. It's, it's really worked out well. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope it can, Continues. I hope it continues to prosper and grow. Uh, like Robbie said, you know, it's a it's a community effort. Uh, it's it's not just one or two people. It's everyone. So if you have articles, send them in. If you have thoughts, send them in. If there's things that you want to see the foundation do in the future, let us know. You know, we there's there's so many ideas floating around in our head all the time. You know, can we expand on a tool loan program? Can we? think about a national fly-in. Can we do X, Y, or Z goals? We want to know what's important to the the community. We want to be able to support the community as best as we can. And, and you know, having these open dialogues, having these lines of communication are vital for that. So, uh, you know, please, please let us know what you're thinking. Please let us know what we can do to help you, uh, what projects would best serve the community in general, and uh, hopefully we can all work together and, and keep everything going, and, uh, and and go from there. But I've really enjoyed it. I, I, I thank everybody who's participated and is helping with it, and uh, let's let's keep that up. It's been a, a great uh, a great run so far, and I hope it continues for a long time. Okay, yeah, great.
0: Uh, Captain Mike, anything to add?
4: You know what? Uh, I remember seeing a thread on the on the the website about a couple of guys, there were like two different guys in the Memphis area. They were, I don't know if they're listening, they'll be listening to this, but there was a couple of guys and they were talking about on the thread about having some kind of a, a, a big fly-in and because of the Crossville uh, thing going away. So if they're out there listening, I mean, I know I don't know who they are, but I know there's two different people. One of them had a 1X, one was a Sonics maybe, uh, that would be a perfect. That would be a good place. It's a. It's a little. It's south of the Mason Dixon line. It's a. It's a. It's a milder climate, you know, type thing. Easier to get to, probably. Anyhow, uh, but other than that, I think as far as uh, I love what the foundation is doing. I mean, Mike and Robbie are doing a great job, and and uh, hopefully everybody gets their clips into them, so we can put some more YouTube stuff up. So it's been awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Good, good. Uh, Gary.
3: Well, Robbie, how about an email
1: address or a link to tell us where we can send those clips to?
3: Okay, so we can always send them to uh, Robbie at Sonics Foundation. I think the email address ends in .org. Um, You can send them to the Sonics Flight. You can send an email through Sonics Flight and contact me that way. Um, I'm on the forum as Sonics 1517. You can start a thread or private message me there. Uh, pretty much. I'm, I'm not hard to find. You could Google my name and find me. Uh, and I'm always, I, right now we've got a Dropbox that we're trying out to put the video clips on. Cause in the past we were trying to do it the hard way by like loading them on a USB stick and sending by postal. That'll work too. So any way to get us the information or ideas or the video clips. Okay. I'll send you one shortly. Sure. Excellent.
0: All right. Well, uh, I will just end this episode with a quick reminder about the upcoming Firewall Forward seminar, which you probably heard a few minutes ago they were, they were mentioning. So just for anybody that's not aware, the Sonic's Flight Gang is, is going to try out a Firewall Forward installation seminar where we take everything that we've talked about on the podcast, all of our collective experiences, things we've learned, And we do a hands-on two-day in-person seminar in Kansas City. It's going to be November 10th and 11th. And this is a chance for us to to partner with a a small number of participants and really go through in detail how to successfully install your, your engine and do your firewall forward. It's heavily based on the instructions that Sonics publishes, so you're not going to see anything radically different, but it's going to include those refinements and tricks and points of emphasis that we have learned really are the key to making your engine run coolly and smoothly and is easy to maintain. So just just some, some things from the agenda as I run down here. It'll be the Sonics firewall forward instructions that Sonics Aircraft uh, publishes. It'll be electrical system design, engine cooling theory, and how to keep your heads cool, which is a major concern for any engine that you're going to put in. It'll be baffling tips. It'll be fitting the cowling and making sure that it's, it's modified or just really fitted properly. It's going to be fuel system design for both simplicity and reliability to prevent some of those known issues that you can inadvertently introduce when you have a good idea. And it has an unintended consequence. We're going to go through tuning. If you use the aero injector or the aero carb, we're going to go through how to tune that. And we're going to set you up so that when you read the Sonic's instructions, they make sense the first time. And you don't have to necessarily kind of struggle your way through it as a brand new tuning uh, attempt. And then we're going to talk about exhaust systems and considerations and how to make sure that uh, that piece of it uh, all all goes smoothly. Lastly, we'll we'll talk about maintenance and upkeep and those things that you can do from the outset to make maintaining and keeping your airplane airworthy. And then some of the things that you might see after the first couple of years and and things to keep an eye on. So that's the quick look at the agenda that we're going to cover. It's going to be a day and a half of really intense hands-on. It'll be part of it in the classroom and part of it uh, hovering over an airplane, pointing and poking things. So if you have an interest in going through this with us, Go to the website. You can find the link uh, right off the the Sonics Flight website and register and come on out here to Kansas City. There is still time to get registered, but you probably need to do that pretty quick because um, it's gonna it's gonna firm up here in the next probably week or two. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for the update, Robbie, Mike. Always a pleasure to talk to you guys and um, Captain Mike and Gary. <laughs> uh, appreciate your comments in support of the foundation and. Um, Really, I guess I'll just – I'll leave it with my final thoughts on the foundation, which is, you know, Mike, you hit this. Robbie, you know, you guys did a good job. This is really a collective effort, and it's only as strong as the contributions that we, the members, bring to it. So this is your chance to have a positive impact on everyone else and to add to the body of knowledge and to make the next generation of builders and pilots – more successful than the previous one. And that's really what it's all about, is helping the next generation out, helping the next builder out, and collectively getting better and, and stronger and healthier. So do that. There's, everybody has something that they can contribute. And I'm hoping that this gives you the the motivation to uh, to, to think about that. Send it a clip, send a, a quick story or article, or just get on the forums and post a success or a, a difficulty that, that you overcame. For this episode, you can find it on the website at sonicsflight.com. You can find the show notes at sonicsflight.com slash 46 and listen to it directly off the webpage. You can subscribe to it through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. I'll put links to the foundation and the contact in the show notes, and you can send us an email at feedback at sonicsflight.com, and that link is also on the website as well so with that guys thanks again and I encourage everybody to get out and enjoy the fall weather while it lasts and then be thinking about your winter projects it's time to get the shop lined up because winter is going to be here soon and you're going to need something to keep you busy thanks guys and we'll talk to you again soon
3: thanks Thanks a lot guys have a good evening thanks Jeff
2: see you guys thanks for everything guys appreciate it
3: see you
0: Also joining us is Mike Needenthal. He's a regular delinquent on the Sonic's Flight shenanigans. So, Mike, how's it going? And this is where, Gary, you make your best in- imitation of Mike and go, Okay, guys. <laughs> 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 is that good? That's perfect. <laughs> 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 He'll be quite surprised when he hears about that.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
3: So, I'm thinking it's the Sonics Builders and Pilots Foundation annual drinking party and fly-in hosted in Antarctica by John. How does that sound? There, there you go. <laughs> I like that
1: one. That's, that's I knew you
3: guys would like it. Yes. <laughs> we could talk
4: about him because he's not here. Exactly. So we could exactly. We set, can, we can we can set him up with all thing. kinds of stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He
1: volunteer for all of it. He's going to host us and we get to sleep at his house, everything. That's right, I like
3: that's this right. idea. He's going to buy you. all the beer.
2: He is. Yes. It's what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, he's got the nice hanger down out in Colorado. We could just use his hanger. He didn't have to be there necessarily. Exactly.